Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We are your hosts. I'm Kim France. And I'm Jen Romolini. And Jen, today is Rosh Hashanah. Oh my goodness, it is. It won't be when this comes out, but it is today. And do you know what happened on Rosh Hashanah 13 years ago? I don't. Tell me. I was fired from my job as editor-in-chief of Lucky Magazine. Oh my God. I had no idea it was that. Oh, wow. Wow. You were fired on the day I went back from maternity leave. And I know this because the person who I was working for at the time got your job and she called to tell me to spruce up the homepage my day back from maternity leave because she was quitting because she had gotten another job. Did she really? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. Um, so I, I, I too remember that as a significant day, but not as significant. Um, what, wow. How do you, how do you feel about it all these years later? Well, you know, it's funny because I've been out of that job for longer than I had that job. Okay. And it's just so, it's so far in the rearview mirror, but I do remember that day so well. And I remember, you know, having a kind of out of body experience while my boss explained to me why I was getting fired and finding out who my replacement was. And his office looked out over Times Square, like right over one Times Square, the building with all the signs on it. And I was just staring out the window at all the signs thinking like, no more insurance coverage. (laughs) Like, all this shit that was about to change. And then I got, then I go and talk to the head of HR who tells me what my package is and everything. And I'm pretty upset. And then I go back to the office and I just start thinking of all these things I don't have to deal with anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it was amazing. Just like there was so much intramural competition in that building. I mean, I've talked about that a lot and just letting go of that. Yeah. And like, you know, petty squabbles in the office, everything, just like letting it go. You know, by the next day when I woke up, I was in like a pretty great mood. Yeah. And I do think, and I do think, you know, that that was my most public failure. It was the only time I was ever fired in my life, but it was really one of the best things that could have happened to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, did you know before you went in that day? I had plenty of signs. I had plenty of signs. There were little things that when I look back, I realized were were pretty indicative of what was going to happen. Everything from like, I couldn't get IT to give me a new laptop. I couldn't mm. get HR to call me back about a job I was trying to hire for. They, on your 10th anniversary at Condé Nast, they would give mm-hmm. you like a Tiffany frame. Mm-hmm. And they did that. They presented it to me. Everybody got one, but they presented the one for me at print order, which was a meeting once a month where I had to show the pages one by one to sign Newhouse and the CEO and all the other suits in the office, in the company. And like sign Newhouse and the CEO didn't show up that day. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It's weird that, that, um, those days around getting fired, like, I, cause after you get fired, I don't know if this was the case for you, but after you get fired, I feel like it's a forensic analysis of all mm-hmm. the days. Like, like you can't stop thinking about it. Like, Oh, was that person being weird to me because of this? Oh, did they know? Oh, that's why I wasn't. It's like, it's like a mystery has been solved that you didn't know yeah. was happening at the yes, time. Yes. You know, it's really, really is there's like a chilliness in the air, but you don't, you're like, am I being paranoid? And it's just that, yeah, it's, it's a, the thing is about getting fired. It's a trauma. 
it's really a trauma. It is. I mean, and, and, and there's no good way to get fired. No, there's just no good way to get fired. It, it, even if, even if it's for the better, like it was in my case, there's no way to make that go down in a way that feels at all good. No, there's no way for it to go down that feels at all good. And you know what? There's no way to fire people that feels good. I hate it. Oh, I found the people, and I had somebody who worked for me who was excellent, who worked right under me and who was excellent at firing people. She didn't care. She felt, not that she didn't care, but she just did not absorb any of it. Like I would be wiped out for the whole week, the week leading up to it. And then like the days after it wiped out emotionally from it. And I loved it because I would just be like, all right, well, you can fire people. You clearly, you're clearly like good at this. It was, that was. And so I kept people on a lot longer than they should have been kept on. I didn't do anybody any favors because usually when often when you're firing someone, it's pretty clear. It's not working for a number of reasons it and dragging it out does nobody any good, but I always dragged it out because I dreaded it. Yeah, I found the hardest thing I did was not firing people, but laying people off. Yes. The laying people off was especially hard because it was not, it wasn't for cause. Right, right, right. It was just, you know, this doesn't, this, we don't need this position anymore. They've decided we need to save money. God, yes. I remember the first round of layoffs at Condé Nast. I just thought, I never thought this company would be doing this. No, I, yeah, I, that was shocking. It never, it really never thought it was going to come to that. I left just as that shit started happening. Cause I left in 2008 and just as they had, um, you know, the McKinsey or whatever came in and was like, mm-hmm. Hey, what's, what's excess here? Let's yeah, trim it. It was the B- McKinsey. Definitely. I definitely think the McKinsey guys didn't like me. No. And it's, what's interesting is, and, um, so I'm not going to say where I got my new job, but, but when the day that this comes out, I will be starting a new job. This is going to be the first day of my new job. And, um, I think, am I right about that? Or maybe I'll be in it for a week. I don't, I don't know. I don't know when this is coming out, but <laughs> I, um, I, I really thought about everything we're talking about right now. Like, I don't know any tips for getting a job or like, you know, whatever. How do you game LinkedIn recruiters? Like I couldn't get anybody to call me back. It was like a very, this was, this was a really tough job search. But the one thing that I really did was after getting rejected for a bunch of positions that my experience aligned with perfectly, mm-hmm. I started really thinking about what do I want And everything we're talking about right now, like, it's not like what would be obvious from the titles I've had and the money I've made or whatever. It's actually, what do I want now? Mm -hmm. And I didn't really want to be managing people. And I didn't want, like, there were things I knew that I had done professionally that I didn't enjoy and didn't want to pursue again, even if it meant that I was in a more senior position or a position that was, you know, that was more in tune with my experience. I, I was just really clear about that stuff. And once I got clear with what I wanted, I found a job. Like, it's not that it was that easy, but, and it's not like to be the secret, like Oprah, but it really was a lot of, um, it was like four months of just being like, I mean, and that is nothing in a job search. I got really lucky, but it really was like thinking about what we're just talking about. Like, I hate firing people. I don't, I don't necessarily, I have so much management experience and I'm a good manager, 
but it really depleted me. And I don't think that I should do it anymore, even if that my resume looks like I should, you know? Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I think that that, you know, if we can be useful to listeners in any way, I think being 50 going into the job market has its own challenges, but really knowing what you want and identifying that is much more helpful than just sort of blindly being like, Hey, I'm going to blanket my resume everywhere, you know? Yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. That makes perfect yeah. sense. But it's, it, it takes a while to get to that. Because yes. there's still the there's still so much should there's still so much like oh I should go for the most money and the most power that I can and the biggest title no and it was so funny like in one of the things that came up in these interviews was the people interviewing me would say you know you're overqualified for this and I was like yes <laughs> <laughs> absolutely I'm looking to climb back down the ladder because <laughs> I climbed too high <laughs> and it was made me dizzy. It made me dizzy. I didn't, I didn't want it and I didn't like it. So um. speaking of dizziness, and this is just a complete, a complete side of sideline. Give um, it to me. <laughs> you know, my mom's <laughs> been having some vertigo mm. and I mentioned this to my shrink and my shrink said she knows more people who have had vertigo since COVID. Long COVID, man. There's so much that we don't know about it. It freaks so me crazy. out. Did she have COVID? She did. Did she? Who, my shrink? No, your my mom. mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why shrink. Yeah, she did. She had it. She had it at least once. Yeah. I don't even know if we know anymore if we have it. I have a friend who very clearly had it. And like, this was a really awkward situation because she very clearly had COVID. Like, I didn't see her, but she very clearly had COVID. She had it for like, a, like four or five days. She was really sick. Then she got better. Then she got sick again. And she kept saying that she had a cold. I think she just didn't want to accept that she had it or it didn't show up on one test, but it was like, this is COVID. We all know what COVID is like. So anyway, my point is first off, that was a tricky social situation because mm -hmm. I'm the kind of person who wants to be like, you clearly have COVID. Like, let's just fucking be <laughs> honest about this. <laughs> and second off, like, it's just a weird time with COVID now. Yeah, it is a weird time with COVID. I mean, I think I had it about a month ago and I tested negative, but it was COVID. It was yeah. a mild case, but it was it was COVID. It wasn't a cold. It, 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 it was the symptoms that I, you know, it was, yes. it was COVID. I think I also had it about a month ago. And I think that I was, I tested and I tested negative and I still think I had it because also the tests are old. Are the tests testing correctly? Yeah. Like nobody knows, but you know whatever here we are in this in this new this new stew this new covid stew it's fucking it's, fucking strange it's strange times it is strange times it is strange times and almost everyone i know right now is kind of having a grody time like, <laughs> like and do you know what we're about to throw into this grody time tell me like to make it an extra special super cocktail of grody Please bring a, a presidential election. Oh, stop. No, I cannot. <laughs> I know. I cannot. I cannot. I will say, and I, because I'm going to try to be positive because we can't talk about the Republicans. I cannot, I cannot talk about Vivek. I cannot talk, like, I don't know what he said the other day that was not real. It was like, you know, he was like, the sky is green. Like I fucking whatever. <laughs> Ron DeSantis just like shitting mm -hmm. himself all over the place. 
But I will say I listened to an interview with, I think his name is Frank Four, the guy who just wrote that big book about Joe Biden. Um, there's mm-hmm. a new book about Joe Biden and his interview with Joe Biden. He was like, I was really a Joe Biden skeptic. And he was like, and I really thought, you know, this, 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 all the things we think he's too old. It's whatever. Blah, blah, blah. And he's old as shit. But no. actually what this guy said was after spending a lot of time with him and a lot of investigation into everyone around him, the things that people are saying about Joe Biden, I mean, whatever you think about his politics, whatever. There's nuances in the Democratic Party. And I know that nuances among liberals. I happen to think Joe Biden's been a pretty good president. But what this guy said was he's 100% there. Like he might be a little slower walking, like Mm -hmm. moving a little slower and a little like softer in talking, but he's 100% there mentally. And I I found that for some reason so reassuring. Like I, I needed somebody, I needed somebody to say, oh no, Joe Biden's full, full there, full marbles. Like it's okay. (laughs) No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It would, it it, it doesn't, you know, it, it does, that does feel good to potentially have a president again who has his marbles. Yeah. I mean, some interesting things have been happening in politics. That book is interesting. And then there's the Mitt Romney stuff, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mitt Romney's life is interesting. But, uh, you know, understanding that all of the Republicans hated Trump and that they just are so desperate to cling to power because they're all 75. And like, I tried golfing and it made me bored and sad. So guess <laughs> I'll keep doing this job. <laughs> Or Mitch McConnell, my God. Come on. He's running for re-election. I mean, but we're not any better. Nancy Pelosi, like, it's time. It's time. But the thing is, Gen X is, I really have a theory that, like, Gen X is just never going to hold any kind of power. No, we would have by now if we were going to. Yeah. I don't think we have it in us. I just don't. I don't think we're going to (laughs) have I mean, I will say there are some notable Gen X exceptions. Tell me. Barack Obama. No, I think he's a boomer. No, he's not. He's not? No, he's not. He is in. He is part of what I am part of, which is this tiny little sliver called okay. Generation Jones, which okay. is the very tail end in, of, of the baby boom and the very beginning of Gen X. Okay. So I think he was born in 62 or 63. So technically baby boom, but okay. not, but he has actually spoken about how he feels like he's part of this small. Spiritually, sub- spiritually Gen X. Spiritually Gen X. And I'm the last year of the baby boom. 64 was the last year of the baby boom. I think of you as so Gen X. I know I am. I am. I am. I think of you as Gen X. Speaking of Gen X, I watched um, in, I've been having terrible insomnia. It's just, I can't have caffeine anymore. And I keep needing to wake up and being like, caffeine delicious. And then it's a mess. But <laughs> um, so last night during my insomnia, um, well, two things, but um, I watched Party Girl. And I was thinking oh. about how much, like people were so into Win- Winona Ryder. And I was always a Parker Posey girl. Yeah. 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 Parker Posey was great. She still is great. She just seems like a. And, and I once sat next to her while she, we were na- drying our nails at a salon, and she was dating. She was dating a friend of mine at the time. Oh, really? Yes, she was dating my friend Tom, and I wanted and I wanted to say like, oh, we we have a mutual friend, <laughs> but I thankfully did not. But she seemed cool. She was just sitting there at the corner, you know, the corner manicure place. 
like everyone else. Yeah, no, she was, she was totally weird. I mean, I, we had an opportunity to put her on the cover of Lucky. I think I've told this story before. We had an opportunity to put, you had an opportunity to put her on the cover of Lucky. I was still working there and you're like, what do you think? And I was like, oh, please, please. Because at that point I was doing those little cover stories. I was like, please, please, please. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know. And I was like, please come on. And you did it. And she was great. And I had this great day with her. And then the cover sold. Not at all. <laughs> no, I know. That's the thing about magazine covers. You really did need to have a certain kind of famous person on it for it to work. It needed to be a very palatable, like I was thinking, I was thinking about the people who really sold for Lucky, like Mandy, Moore, because Mandy Moore. we kept going back to them because they were just, they were just really just widely loved. It was like Mandy Moore, Hillary Duff, Carrie Russell. Hillary Duff was another big one. We had, I interviewed her like three times, Heidi Klum, just like people loved these women, like yeah. loved them in a way that they did not love Parker Posey. But do you ever think about that? Like that your taste is maybe that the reason you maybe, well, you were really successful, but the reason I feel sometimes that I haven't been more successful in terms of like creative pursuits is because my taste is just not mass. Like I, love a person like Parker Posey. I love how weird and mean she is and everything else. And did you ever feel that way with Lucky? Did you have a hard time? Because that was a mass publication and your taste is not necessarily mass. You know, David Carr, your old friend, David Carr, um, mm. the, the, the departed David Carr, who was the media columnist for the New York Times for many years. When Lucky first... Um, launched its test issue when he was at inside, which is, I think where you yeah. met him. Yeah. He said, he referred to my taste as like something like sophisticatedly middle brow. Interesting. Interesting. And I think my, one of my big skills at lucky actually was looking at the Michigas that they would show me in the fashion department and being like, nobody's ready to see that. Like that looks weird. Yeah. Like, I think I had pretty, pretty, like I could, I could appreciate like, you know, fashion fashion but yeah. i knew that that's not what the readers of this magazine wanted that's amazing it's amazing though because you had had no experience in that really you had, had no real fashion experience before lucky had you v very little i used to i used to help edit the fashion pages in new york magazine when i was there but i'd been to a handful of shows i i wasn't a fashion person at all and boy did the fashion people not let me forget that yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a whole thing. That's a whole thing. I was reading, um, the Kathy Horan piece and actually I didn't read the whole thing. And, and, but I was reading the the piece about how fashion has become so boring. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you saw that, that was this recent piece this week. And I was like, I don't know if I agree with that. It's like, I don't even know what fashion is anymore. You know, yeah. I mean, do you, I have no idea. I, I mean, I, it, it's, 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 it's very fragmented. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, there aren't like, you know, think pink, like suddenly a big trend and everywhere you look, everybody's right. in that trend. Right, right. I think the other thing about fashion now, you know, I mean, I don't know. Is it that we're old? Is it that we're old? Because I, I, I used to sort of feel like I could look at fashion. I mean, now I look at what the kids are wearing and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, I feel that way to some degree, but I do think that. I mean, because I follow some young, I follow some young uh, Vogue fashion reporters who I think are actually really good and really exciting. And I like the way they write. and I like the way they think about style. 
I think that what fashion suffers for is what everything in suffers from right now is that there's no there's no monoculture. I mean, and actually it suffers from yeah. it, but it also benefits it. There's no monoculture anymore. There's no one thing we're all watching. When you say think pink, I'm thinking, you know, well, we all used to watch the same three channels. You know, we used to get all our information from the same five magazines. Like it's just not, it's just not how we no. gather information anymore. So if like the Instagram algorithm doesn't serve it to you, how the fuck are you going to find shit? You know? Yeah. No, it's a hundred percent true. And then meanwhile, Instagram algorithm locates all sorts of shit you don't want. Totally. 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 And then sometimes stuff you do, but yeah. I don't know. I find it harder and harder to find clothes. I was actually looking at some Eileen Fisher clothes this week online. Oh my God. This is it. This is it. I know. Well, I was looking at a pair of pants and I was like, this is a perfect pair of pants for travel, like crop black pant. Yeah. And I thought to myself, okay, this is Eileen Fisher. That's quite a step. This is this is a move you can't go back. <laughs> and I was like, okay, it did did Eileen Fisher change or did I get old? And I think the answer is yes. That you got old. That I got old and also that Eileen Fisher has slightly changed. Like the clothes are a little bit cooler, a little bit less form fitting. But I think it's mostly that I'm old now and, and my my idea of what I want to, you know, clothe my body in has changed. I mean, it, it's changed so much. But also it's just that I want to buy less shit now. I just am not, I'm not, I'm not in a place in my life. I think when you're young, you're dressing to be seen because you're yeah. going out all the time. Maybe you're going to a job, but you're going, you're, you're being seen. You're being, you know, witnessed in a way that you're not witnessed when you're older. And that's not only because of the invisibility of being older. It's by choice. I don't, I don't go out. Can you imagine going out at 9.30? Like if I tonight was like, <laughs> hey, I've got a party. It starts at nine. Like. <laughs> no, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. No. We, got, we got a gift card to this restaurant, Laser Wolf, mm -hmm. which is like, um, you know, it started in Philadelphia and they have one in Williamsburg and it's very, very hard to get into. Mm -hmm. And the only tables they have anytime coming up start at 10. Oh my and we God. We were just like, we were just like, can you imagine? Well, eating at that time, digesting at no, 11 30 no. PM. Like, no, no, thank you. I'll suffer for days. No. So I, um, so yeah, so I think that that's what the style that's, that's a big thing about fashion. Your needs change so much and those, well, yeah. And, and, and the other thing is every designer, every brand, now, it used to just be like there would be fall clothes and there would be spring clothes. Yes. And now there are like micro shipments all the time. I mean, when, mm -hmm. when Alexander McQueen killed himself, um, people wrote a lot about the kind of pressure that modern designers are under because they yeah. have to produce resort. They have to produce, you know, pre-fall and pre, yeah. you know, and, 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 and it never ends. Yeah. And so I think that's what's changed with fashion, too, is that we know we can go online and immediately see all these options that weren't there just yesterday. Right. There's not the kind of excitement that there used to be, you know, like, oh, well, let's what, you know, and even the shows, I don't even, I, the shows seem, the shows are actually really cool this year. I watched a bunch of them. The Rachel Comey show was amazing. Those clothes all looked really great, but I, I was like, I don't even know what's, what season is for and this, any of this for, like, what are we, <laughs> where, where are we? <laughs> like, like, that's basically how I feel with everything. And I don't know, maybe that is because we're old. I have no idea. 
what's the name of the woman who was the editor, Ruth Whitney, the editor of Glamour for years and years? She used to walk into the fashion closet and see clothes for the run through and look at it and go, where's she going in that? <laughs> right, right. What purpose, what purpose does this outfit serve? No, I know. I know. It's, 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 it's a strange, it's just like kind of the wilds. It feels like the wilds of fashion. Let's take a quick break from some ads. And we're back. Speaking of fashion, which is not really fashion, um, I'm thinking about beauty. I've been thinking about beauty a lot, and this will become apparent why soon, but I... A lot of people send us, you know, younger bloggers who are sort of anti, I don't know if they're bloggers or substackers, they're writers who are sort of like anti the beauty industry. And one thing I've really had on my mind lately is um, like I went in and got my, I got in, went in and got my like twice a year Botox last week. And I was thinking about why I keep getting Botox and, you know, when will I stop getting Botox or will I continue? Who knows? But I was thinking about how much younger women should not be opining about any sort of alterations to your face, any sort of aging, because they cannot possibly fathom. Like they might be right in every single thing they say in theory, but they cannot possibly imagine what it's like to be in this society when your face starts to age. They can't, they have no, they have no concept. They have no concept. And it is hubris to think to, 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 for them to assume that they do. And the arrogance, the arrogance of going after women who are making choices that feel right for them when you were too young to possibly understand what you're going to think when you're faced with those same motherfucking choices, it infuriates me. I, I find it so obnoxious. And actually, I sent you a picture of one of these. One yeah, of the you did. Who was like beautiful and I mean, just per- perfectly do. I was like, this is the woman who's complaining about this is the woman who's out there being like the beauty industry is terrible and the beauty industry is terrible. But the thing is, is that we all live in this society and like we all have this reality as our faces really start to change and the world's, this is the reality. It's not changing overnight. And I applaud these women for wanting to change the society, but the fact that they are making money and earning their keep off saying that like, well, you know, nobody should alter their face. Why can't we just tell me how you feel in 15 years? When yes. your face doesn't look like that anymore, when your Instagram isn't a fucking 40 selfies of a perfectly symmetrical, flawless skin face, tell me how you feel when your neck starts to go, your eyelids start to go, when you just see yourself and you know others are seeing you as something that is decaying and you remind them of death and so they don't want to hire you. Like, I want to know how these people feel then. It's no, it's just so arrogant to presume that you know how you would be to to say at the age of 30 or something, I will not, I would not, nobody should, and I will not. And the thing is, honestly, like I get it because I did it. I remember being like 35 and being like, oh God, she got a lot of Botox. And having an older woman in her 40s being like, I fucking love Botox. And being like, oh huh. Never even thought of that. Yeah. And like, it's a thing I did when I wasn't, before I was a mom, like I I remember being like, how could she let her kid do that? Like so judgmental. You have no idea. These are like cataclysms in a woman's life. Like motherhood is one and aging is one. And you just have like, 
they they shouldn't even be allowed to fucking write about no, this no, shit. No, no, no. They really shouldn't. They really shouldn't. They should be miniaturized until they cannot be heard from or seen again. Yes. Until they're least, older and have something to contribute. When you're older, tell me how you feel then. Then we can have a real conversation about this. But before then, it's just like these shots in the dark. And also the greatest thing about all this is, is that these younger women coming out against like anti-aging practices, what's so hilarious to me is they get a lot of attention, a lot of media attention. And they're like, you know, they're talking heads on, you know, you know, talk shows and on and of course they are because they are the age that everybody wants to see yeah yeah let's have an anti-aging advocate i mean who's actually not old that's perfect it's so fucking perfect i love it so much anyway it's been a bee in my bonnet lately and i've been thinking about it a lot well Um, i am with you as you can tell a thousand percent and you know people said the same thing about naomi wolf i believe when she wrote the beauty myth back in the yeah. 80s. You know, people yeah. were like, she's a young, attractive woman. She doesn't know a thing. And you don't. And you really don't. I mean, and honestly, you really, you don't even at 40 because 40, like your face is barely changed at all. It's really when you start getting into your late 40s where things start to, when menopause starts hitting, your skin starts changing. It's it's a lot to contend with. And if you don't understand that, if you haven't had that experience you can't, I don't think you can possibly handle it with the sensitivity that it deserves. No, you can't, you don't deserve to be part of the conversation about aging when you have not aged. Yeah. And you know, everybody's, and that's not to say that like, everybody's going to hit, like, I don't judge anybody's decisions and to, to not do alter their faces at all, to not have any sort of anything like, great. That's wonderful. That's the person I want to hear from who's anti-aging, anti, yep. anti, 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 Anti anti aging. <laughs> um, what else is happening with you this week? Oh, I don't know. It's you know, it's I have nothing to talk about. I, I have no stimulants. I have no. Oh, I have no, oh. I have no stimulants. It's making me stupid. Oh, right. The fucking stimulant shortage. We were talking about that before we got on. And I will say, speaking of it, I am right now listening to the best book about ADHD or about attention deficit in general, like there's all different kinds, but it's called Scattered Minds, The Origins and Healing of Attention Deficit Disorder. It's by Gabor Mate. And I'm I'm only halfway through it. So I haven't gotten to the, I'm not halfway, I'm I'm like a quarter or third through it. So I haven't gotten to like what his solutions are because he's clearly leading toward non-medicine solutions, non-pharmaceutical. But in terms of contextualizing how I've felt my whole life, my child also has ADHD. People in my life have ADD. Like in terms of really understanding every way attention disorders impact your life, impact mm-hmm. one's life and how they move through the world. I've never seen anything or heard, witnessed anything like it. It's changing the way I'm thinking absolutely about myself. Wow. It's making me feel a lot different about, um, all the ways that I've felt really fucked up about, you know, everything from like time to, you know, how I manage time to impulsivity, to conversational flow, to everything. So it's a really, really good book. I highly, highly recommend it. Here's a question for you. What do you eat for breakfast? Well, lately I've been enjoying eggs scrambled. Okay. With spinach Mm -hmm. and cheese. So do you make that every morning when you wake up? Well, this morning I didn't have many groceries left. So this morning my breakfast was one sad fried egg and one piece of toast. Okay. But you eat breakfast in the morning. You're a breakfast I eat breakfast. Yeah. I get, I get hungry. I can't, I can't wait till lunch. 
And I don't eat much of lunch because breakfast, you know, doesn't happen super early. Yes. Yes. I am the same. I'm, but I'm always looking for like, what is the, <laughs> what is the low cholesterol breakfast I can enjoy every morning? I've been eating the same avocado toast every morning for like, I don't know, three months, but I'm like looking to, I'm looking to expand because also I hate cooking in the morning because I hate having dirty dishes. I know. Then you've got, you start out the day with dirty dishes. It's a big pain. It's a it's big, a big pain. pain. Yeah. I wish I, you know, I, I, I used to eat sweet breakfasts. Now I only want savory in the morning. And if you don't go with eggs, you don't have a lot of other options. No, there's not much. There's, you can do an avocado toast. That's what I've been doing on paleo bread. It's so boring. Mm. Um, but if I do sweet things, I get really spacey in the morning. I can't, I can't like synthesize sugar the way I used to be able to. Like I can't, I can't imagine having like a chocolate croissant in the morning. I think I would pass out. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know what you mean. I know. I just don't want it. I don't want something yeah. sweet in the morning. It just, it, ugh. No. Anyway, yes, I've been thinking, I, I similarly do not really eat lunch, but I eat, I always eat breakfast. And I was just wondering if you ate breakfast, because I feel like that's not a thing I did when I was younger. I was just like, give me a coffee. No, like, I never it, ate breakfast. No. I never ate breakfast. You just run off. But, you know, sumo wrestlers don't eat breakfast. I did not know that. I don't think I'm making this up. Oh, and by the way, there was a whole to-do on the Facebook page because I said that the Jetsons only ran for one season. And I was not wrong in the end. You were actually correct. You were actually correct, correct. There was a whole to-do on the Facebook. <laughs> the Facebook. <laughs> Somebody fact-checked as, you know, thank you so much because we do need fact-checking. That's there were three seasons, but in fact, go ahead, you go. There was one season in like 1960 something, mm -hmm. and then there wasn't another season until the 80s. And that to me does not count. That's it not doesn't canon. count. It doesn't it's not count. Canon. It's a reboot. It's a reboot. It, it 100% doesn't count. I so agree. I was right. This was very satisfying for me to watch it play out on Facebook, I have to say. I was very sad. I was very satisfied by that too. I thought it was, um, I thought it was, <laughs> I was like, oh good. Well, everybody wins. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was true. Everybody won. Nobody was wrong. Have you been watching anything new? Is there even anything new to watch? There's nothing new to watch right now. There's really nothing new to watch. I, I have been watching nothing interesting. Paul's been, Paul has, I think I said this before. He's decided that Girls is one of the best shows that was ever made. He had never watched it. Oh my God, that's amazing. So he's been watching girls. So I've been kind of watching girls with him when I'm, you know, when I'm around and he's got it on. Mm -hmm. And it, it is a pretty great show. I mean, once you, once you just accept, like, I mean, I remember when that show came out, there was so much conversation about how unlikable the characters were. Yeah. But I don't yeah. know why the audience didn't think that Lena Dunham didn't know that. Right, right. Right. That she was in on it. I agree. I agree. No, I think girl, you know, I haven't watched girls in a long time. I would like to see how it, how it feels now. I have been seeing a lot of like a sex in the city, um, Renaissance, which I, I would, I would be interested to go back and watch some of those episodes and see how I felt about them. Now I've seen a lot of memes about Kim Cattrall and I feel like, Oh yeah, she was awesome. She was awesome in that, you know, yeah, I don't know about great. the whole she show, was... but she was incredible. Um, I am rewatching the Larry Sanders show, Gary Shandon, oh, which that's is, ugh, it's perfect. Best. It's the a best. perfect show. It's a perfect show. I also hacked the Criterion. We have not given up the Criterion Collection channel. 
um, the Criterion channel. And I don't know why I'm like, cause every time I look at it, I'm like, Oh, foreign films, homework. But the other night I was like, I can't go to bed yet. I know I'm not going to fall asleep. And I just typed in short into the search bar <laughs> and it gave, and it gave me like a bunch of delightful shorts by like very high profile early in their career filmmakers. So there was like David Lynch shorts. There was Agnes Varda. There's like incredible amount of short films on the Criterion channel. And I didn't know that. And that was perfect for me. I watched like two 20 minute movies and I thought that's so great. It's, it's a perfect hack. If you're like, I just want 20 minutes, but like, I don't want to watch an old episode of Seinfeld. It just felt very perfect. I did watch when I was in Philly, which I was for a week, as you know, um, I was, and I would be hanging out waiting for Paul to come back from rehearsals. I, and, and, and the TV was not great. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would watch Modern Family. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I, I, I have recently watched some sh- television and it has been Modern Family. And I was reminded of what an entertaining and charming show that was. I never watched it. I never watched one episode of that show. It was charming. It was good for, you know, hanging out. But no, I mean, I feel like I, I feel like there's no there's no I want the new great show to be here and it's not here. And now with the strike. Oh, can we talk about Drew Barrymore? Oh, Drew Barrymore. We can talk about Drew Barrymore. What the fuck, Drew Barrymore? I mean, I, I, I will provide context. Drew Barrymore is being a scab. She is she is um, ha- filming her show despite the strikes. Yes. And yes. Um, I don't get it. I don't get it either. Like somebody posited that maybe she's broke, like maybe mm-hmm. for a celebrity she's broke or there were like threats that they were going to cancel her show, which that would not have happened. There was like a bunch of things I saw online. I mean, cause Bill Maher is also doing the same thing, but it's like, he's a scumbag, a disgusting, yeah. gross man. Like you expect it from him. Like, I just don't understand. And then, but then what was interesting is that also she was going to like host the national book awards. And yes. I was like, I was like, wait, what is happening? Like why are celebrities are like are like a literary are cha- only literary champions? Like why is like Jenna Bush like the person we all have to bow to if we're writers? Like whatever. Oh sorry if you like my book Jenna Bush. Like please, but like <laughs> the Drew Barrymore thing was so surprising because she seems like such a sensitive person who under who would like get why you would not do a thing like that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Somebody posited to me that they think it's because she's a workaholic. Maybe, but work on it doesn't make any else. sense. Work, work on your on wallpaper else. line, or your like yeah, for, your, your, your blow or... your blow dryers that you sell, and like your air fryer. And I mean, she does like she has a magazine. Like fucking, just work on just go do, do work do on a... that. No, you're absolutely right. I'm not. Def- I think it's. I think yeah. it's crazy. I think it's crazy that somebody as likable as her, as a university as universally liked as her would do something so tone deaf and wrong. I just, from a PR perspective alone. And the, the statement was so dumb. The statement was just like, you know, we have lived energetically through hard times on this like show. And I was like, what are you, what are you doing? Like the celebrity is, is like oozing out, like put it back in the box. Yes. (laughs) That's hilarious. Like you're too rich to be doing this. No, I was I was really disappointed to see that. But also, you know, it was stupid. It was just stupid. Yeah. I hate stupidity of any of any kind. Um I do too, especially especially when it comes from my mouth. 
Yeah. Well, same, same. Obviously, that's why I, <laughs> we hate in others what we you know hate in ourselves. So before we go, though, I want to talk about what a great job you're doing on that Substack. Jesus Christ, your Substack is amazing. Thank like, you, Romalini. It, it's like a whole like it's so much better. If anybody has not checked out Kim France's Substack, and I really recommend paying extra to get in the inside because she's running bits of her memoir that you had questions about. That is a is an amazing memoir. <laughs> well, yeah. the person, thank, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I know it'll never be it'll never be published. So I, it's nice to 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 run the excerpts there. Um, you know, I decided not to publish it and, um, it's, it's fun to show it. People are really into it and it does inspire me. It makes me feel like, okay, well, that wasn't the book I should write, but you know, but there's, there's a book to write. No, it's, it's really cool to see you transitioning from that blog and just see you just evolving as a writer. Like, you know, it's like, you know, that's a weird thing to say, but it's, you can tell, you could tell that you're doing, you're having more fun with it. It seems like. Yeah. Oh, I'm having tons more fun with it. And Substack is such a, like a self-perpetuating community. You know, it feels, yeah. it's, it's like, I don't feel like I'm just in my, you know, lonely little outpost in some sleepy corner of the internet. You know, yeah. I feel like I'm in, I'm in the mix with other people who are doing Substacks and people who are reading them and, and it, no, it's, it's the community is, is so great. Yeah, no, it really feels, it really has the vibrancy. It really has vibrancy. I'm like, I'm really happy for you. I feel like you really have found a new medium to work in that feels fresh and exciting. And that's like, that's always like, that's what we're always looking for. Thanks, Jen. Should I tell everybody what I've been reading? You, you can, if you would like to. (laughs) I have been reading the best new book, (laughs) Ambition Monster by Jennifer Romolini. And it is so good. And I'm so excited for it to come out and for all of you to read it and 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 realize Jen is as 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 gifted, as gifted, if not more gifted, a writer as she is a podcast host. Was that um, a nice thing to say? That was an incredibly nice thing to say. It's a hard thing to hear. Like this is a very nerve-wracking time in the time of this book. Like I'm starting to get like cover possible covers. I'm like editing jacket copy. Like this is it's like I I pushed the baby out and now we're like, okay, we're off to the races. Like, it's just like, Jesus Christ. Cause it felt like it took so long and now it's going yeah. so fast. Um, but yeah, the book comes out next June. I'm, I'm, I'm mostly excited about it. I mean, um, yeah, I'm mostly excited about it. I'm mostly excited about it. I have some, um, I have some things I'm, I'm not so excited about, but I'm mostly excited about it. So, so that's good. I just wanted to, I just wanted to point it out so that it's on everyone's radar. Well, thank you. Um, we will, when we get to the time where people can pre-order it, we will tell them, but I'm really grateful to you for reading it. And also you had one note on it that was exactly a note that I'd been thinking about and actually working on. So we were totally in sync with the note. So I was, I was also really happy about that. Um, I mean, look, this is an episode. This is, I I see 45 (laughs) minutes on our clock. We did it. I think we did it. (laughs) We did it. Thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. We're your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. If you like the show, please rate and review it across the platforms, especially Apple Podcasts. It really helps people find the show um, and it helps, um, it just helps our (laughs) (laughs) self-esteem. If you want to support the production of the show, we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash everything is fine. 
We have just, as of last week, put up a uh, special bonus episode. I also blog over there. Um, I don't know if I should say this, but we are considering moving Patreon over to Substack, but we don't know yet. So stay tuned, everybody. But if you have any thoughts about Patreon versus Substack, please give us thoughts because we are <laughs> thinking that maybe we should all be in one family. Um, if you want to follow this show on social media, we have a robust and private Facebook group. We also are on Instagram at EIF Podcast. The show is mixed and edited by the great Natalie Rivera. Thank you, Natalie. And also you can find Kim on her Substack. I did not say it, kimfrance.substack.com. And we'll be back next week.